From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Maybe most importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and those brands that call it home can thrive for generations to come. For a lot of people, college is the time where they set the stage for their entire career. Jody Stevenson was doing just that, but she didn't necessarily know it yet. On this episode, Jody tells us how she built a babysitting business in her college dorm room and nearly 20 years later has impacted the lives of countless college students and young families all over Atlanta. This is the story of Sitter Tree. Sitter Tree is a scheduling and assignment app for young moms, and we have the most rigorous uh, babysitting vetting process in the industry. Mm-hmm. And we make it possible for moms to request mom-rated sitters whenever they need them, um, and we take care of the rest. We just talked in the in the coffee shop, but you're not a Georgia native. But like a couple of guests we've already had, you are from Ohio. Yeah, the so. Midwest uh, produces really hardworking people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yeah. a little bit of the hustle, and so. Sure. Um, like I started working when I was 14 and wow. so I had like three jobs through high school like at mm. the same time and so was always driven to to work and yeah then like we started saving my mom had to save for our college education from 14 you had to save a thousand dollars every summer before you could spend any of your summer like job money and so then once you got to once we got to school we were we were responsible for all of our own spending money so I came to school at Oglethorpe right. um, in Atlanta, and then you know, knowing that I needed to make my own money, I worked at work study in the library, okay. and um, I think at the time I was making like six twenty five an hour. Mm. <laughs> it's like um, a lot of checking out books, and sure. so I just really was kind of bored. And so, what used to happen before Facebook, because this is in like ninety nine two thousand, yeah, um, moms would come to schools and they would post a flyer and it would have all these like tear off tabs, right? Like, mm-hmm. I need a babysitter. Here's my number. So I um, started taking some of the tabs and calling the parents, um, and eventually I would just take down the whole poster so Mm. that no one else could take the babysitting jobs. (laughs) So I was babysitting for a ton of families at Oglethorpe. Um, And then... So um, there's a competitive streak there. I mean, some would say. Some would say. That's good. That's healthy. Um, Yeah. So then after I started babysitting, then I would have my friends. So like we also know, you know, in addition to no Facebook, we had landlines, you know, like you plug Mm -hmm. it into the wall actually, right? You you remember this. I do. Um, And so... People would call. I had two landlines in my dorm room. So people would call into my dorm room, book a sitter, like parents would leave me a message, and then I would actually, you know, farm the job out to some other student who would then slip me $5 in an envelope through the campus mailbox <laughs> system. <laughs> so Oglethorpe, thank you. Thank you for all the $5 checks that got made it to my mailbox. So That's yeah. so cool. So first, tell me why Atlanta and why Oglethorpe for you? 
So why Atlanta is that I am from the big metropolis of Sandusky, Ohio. You may have seen it if you're a Tommy Boy fan. Um, (laughs) And so my mom actually had encouraged me, like, just try something new outside of Ohio, outside of the small town. Um, And um, I had, you know, seen Georgia Tech, actually. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Um, So I came on a college visit and um, toured Oglethorpe's campus and fell in love with just the beauty of the campus. If anyone's ever been to Brookhaven and seen the campus, it's gorgeous. Um, And then the beauty of the really large closets. (laughs) (laughs) So I was 18 and making this massive decision on my own. Um, My mom at the time was sick, and so my parents weren't with me on the college visit. And so made that decision and... Honestly, like I have discovered since then, I'm a bit of an introvert. So a small campus with small class sizes where you really get a lot of interaction with the, the professors really was perfect for was me. For you. Yeah. And then also the, the campus really supported, so I'm an entrepreneur and I've started a number of different things. And so they would always support me doing, like I hosted dinners for mm-hmm. students just to have discussions around um, interesting topics. And yeah. like they would fund you know, the, the student uh, activities would pay for the cost of the dinner and all of that. And so they just did a number of things to really support what I was doing. And even still, they continue to support Citratree and, you know, making sure that other students on campus have access to it. You begin to corner the, the babysitting market at yeah. Oglethorpe University. Mm-hmm. Does it does it have a name at this point? Did you have a plan for it? Did you think, hey, we've got some legs here? How, just how big was this getting while you're in school? So I was definitely not thinking of doing this long-term. It was called the playgroup because moms would talk about it at the playgroups where they went with other moms, right? And they were passing it around as like, I guess it came up as one of the must-have items for new moms. And so pretty soon these different playgroups and these mothers and multiples clubs, Hmm. um, you know, started passing the name around. Um, And I would honestly take as many jobs as I could um, and then... I think it was about a year into it before I actually thought, I'm booking. I had this like Excel document where I'm writing, you know, doing all these bookings. I had note cards with all the parents' names written on it. Yes. And I thought, I'm doing all these jobs. I should, I should like write a letter to the parents and tell them that I'm going to charge them. So I wrote this two or three page letter. Um, I used to send them just all the names of the sitters, but yeah. I wrote this two to three page letter and said, you're going to have to pay me $40 a year and I'll book your sitters. And I can still remember the first check that I got from Katie Barksdale. (laughs) And I was like, that's crazy. All I had to do was ask, and now I've got $40 to do this booking. So um, that's kind of how it started. So you got the check from Katie Barksdale, but did you get any angry... None of them. Moms were like, pay for babysitters? Yes. And Katie actually, uh, since then, has told me that she thought I had thousands of members. And she was just one more parent, you know, that just had a trustworthy option for babysitters. So So by the time you finished school, did this go on throughout the time you were in school? It did. And so by the time I graduated, over 10% of the campus was babysitting. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, and then I actually... It was, especially consider no Facebook. I mean, try to bring yourself back in a world without social Mm -hmm. media. Um, And it really was um, connecting with students on campus. And um, college students, obviously, that's the one thing they need is flexible income. And Mm -hmm. so there were other students in my... Oglethorpe is is a really diverse school with a lot of first-generation college students. So that 
that is synonymous with people who need to work while they're in school exactly. so that they're not having massive amounts of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, even for myself, I was an RA, I applied for scholarships, I was doing all of this, but babysitting at the time, I was earning 12 to $20 an hour babysitting. And this is, in, again, this is almost 20 years ago now. Wow. So, yeah. That's impressive. So, well, and you also had the benefit being at Oglethorpe, your, your kind of pool of sitters, just the fact that you're a student at Oglethorpe is going to come with some immediate credibility and a trust factor with the families, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Especially in Brookhaven. Sure. Like all of the historic Brookhaven area, really, um, all the way through up, up to Sandy Springs in, the, in that area. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a parent and you're in a new city, and you don't have access to a college campus, Where? how do you get out of your house? Yeah. Like that really, that problem, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know how, what parents yeah. do do to, in order to, to solve that. Eventually your time at college is going to come to a close. Does the business kind of go by the, the wayside for a while while you kind of figuring out what's next? So I, um, upon graduation, I had made a decision to move to Malawi in um, Central Africa. And... Wow. Um, one of my babysitters, her name is Jenny Triplett. She's now a PhD and, um, was phenomenal. She had, I remember one semester she made over $9,000 babysitting. I mean, she was crazy good at it. And so I said, do you want to run, you know, the play group? And so she was a year behind me. So she said, sure. So I basically passed it off to her while I moved to Malawi. Um, I would check in occasionally by email. I didn't even really have great internet access. Um, but then I would, I was able to get a little money off the top. But still, I was not thinking of this. I was just kind of like, I don't want to shut it down and disappoint the parents. Sure. Um, and it's still going, so maybe I'll make a few thousand dollars off of it. Uh, that was kind of my mentality at the time. And so Jenny took it over. She grew it even more. Um, and then I had several other students after Jenny graduated where I would just kind of pass it down and we really relied only on Oglethorpe students yeah. until about uh, 2010. And during that time, like about 2003 to 2010, mm-hmm. I was living and working in Malawi, Uganda, Sierra Leone uh, with, a, with a company that, with an organization that worked with children like internationally. So sure. I was bopping in and out. The students were kind of running it. It was not really growing, but it was just kind of doing what it always did. With her babysitting company still thriving in Brookhaven, Jody set out on a new adventure, one that took her halfway across the world to Sub-Saharan Africa. What started as a short-term plan quickly became a new mission for the purpose-driven college graduate. I joined an organization um, called Children of the Nations, and they were working in the time I actually signed up to move to Sierra Leone, and Sierra Leone had just come out of a civil war, so they assigned me to move to Malawi. Um, I moved there and was, so okay, I'm 22 at the time. Mm -hmm. I had never traveled to any developing country of any point, of any kind, um, and I was the only one of all of their Malawian staff even who had a driver's license. (laughs) And so I spent a year, and it was really like, they worked with, uh, Malawi had a high number of orphans that had come out of an HIV crisis at that point. And so I worked with them basically helping to set up systems. I did everything from an accounting system to um, helping as they were building um, huts to house visitors and um, doing an addition to a wing of one of the homes uh, for a girl's wing. Um, so I really did a little bit of everything, which I love. I I had, before graduating college, I had worked in an accounting firm and just, I can remember going, it was one of the, at the time, the, the, final, the big five 
accounting firms. Right. And I remember going up the escalator thinking, uh, one day on the way to work, thinking, you cannot pay me a million dollars a day to do this for the rest of my life. Like, it was just so excruciating yeah. for me to be doing the same thing, going to a little cubicle. And sure. um, so when I, uh, when I had the opportunity to move to Malawi and kind of be in this adventure, not knowing anyone, um, just kind of boots on the ground and getting to be with all these kids and yeah. uh, the adventure of it really just um, kind of won my heart over. So that's what I did for the next seven years with Children of the Nations. Now, a lot of people, I feel like there's a common story in a lot of people that they go and they do that for six months or they do that for a year. But seven years, like that's a big chunk of your life. Was that always the plan or is that just kind of how it worked out once you got there? Um, you know, it's kind of how it worked out. I, I signed up for six months and then went on to do it for a year. But part of my personality also is that I don't let things go easily, which is the perseverance or the grit, whatever you want to call that, to, you know, sometimes, especially with some of the things I've started, I should have let them go sooner. Sure. I've got some great examples of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a recovering letter goer. Um, so I think... Part of it was uh, that I had built these incredible relationships. I'm still in touch today with so many of the kids. And now that Facebook sure. is there, like these these quote unquote kids are now 15 years older and I've seen them get married, have kids of their own. And these are, you know, going and have that, having that relationship with a child, especially like a child that was orphaned and then mm -hmm. getting to be part of their life over 15 years. Right. Um, there's just few things like Something that. So I, I definitely, yeah. that's one of those things that I'm like, I'm glad I didn't let it go. But eventually when the time came for me to like leave children of the nations, um, it was a hard departure, but it was, you know, the next step in my journey. So that, that time comes and you come back to Atlanta, not Ohio. Why back to Atlanta? Did you have aspirations that, okay, I'm going to come back and kind of take that next step with what became Sitter Tree or were there some steps in between? So funny thing, you remember Katie Barksdale, right? Um, she has a family foundation here in Atlanta, and um, she said, "I actually would like to start working in Sub-Saharan Africa. Will you take me there?" So um, again, first babysitting client, and um, I said, "Sure." So we went to Malawi because obviously I had a, a lot of experience there, and sure. then we went to Sierra Leone because I'd had some experience and. She wanted to see a post-conflict country. Um, but Katie said, I really want someone to help me with my foundation work and start working internationally. Will you help me do that? And I said, well, actually, I've got this thing, you know, sitter tree on the side that I really would like to, to grow. But obviously, my passion for seven years has been working in sub-Saharan Africa. Are you okay if I do both of these? And she said, absolutely. Um, and Katie herself always has kind of worked with entrepreneurs as well. Her brothers are entrepreneurs. And so um, I still work with Katie. Um, and I still, we actually do a lot of work in Sierra Leone and rural communities there. And she, um, and then she has also been supportive of the work with Sitter Tree to continue. Sure. Um, so funny thing, when I came back and then when I decided that I, I was still kind of figuring out what I wanted to do with what became Sitter Tree. And I met um, a friend who, his name is Jed Strange, and he heard, he said, so you're doing this, he's an entrepreneur also, and he said, so wait a minute, you've got this babysitting thing, how, how much time do you spend on it? You're going back and forth to Sierra Leone. And I said, well, I spend about 10 to 15 minutes a week on it because I'm really just assigning jobs. And literally, I would be in Sierra Leone 
holding my phone above my head to get reception, <laughs> taking a call from a mom about a babysitter. She ha- she would have no idea that I am the, in rural Sierra Leone. 9,000 miles yeah, away. It's, yeah, but it worked, you know. I mean, it did. It was odd hours because there's a time difference. <laughs> and so I would roll over in my hotel room and say, right. hi, Mrs. Smith, good morning, you know, like, uh, or whatever time. It, and so... Um, he said, that's incredible. I think it's scalable. And he actually, so he became my first uh, partner investor in wow. it. And so that's when I said, well, now I can take my list of items that I wanted to build with the website and mm-hmm. expand on those. Um, <laughs> now you have somebody else's money to spend. Yes. And it was really amazing what you can do when you have someone else's money. So um, I did a, I think it was 25 pages of bullet, single line bullet pointed. This is what I would want it to do. Hmm. Um and found a developer that said, I can help start this. I mean, when people, I now tell people when I'm like gonna work with them, especially men, I'm like, I just want you to know that I am (laughs) extremely detail oriented. And that's a criticism of like female entrepreneurs that they take too long to perfect things. So I really always have to kind of guard against myself waiting till it's to my level of satisfaction and I have to kind of push it out earlier. But um, I've been working with the same two, a web developer and designer for the last five years. Hmm. And they are a dream because they understand now how I work. They speak and, your language now. Yeah. yeah. And th- so they, they let me like do it to the level of detail, even if it's, you know, moving something, centering it, left align, you know, like doing sure. all the different minor tweaks. Um, sure. uh, so, yeah. But we actually have accomplished those 25 pages and more. <laughs> so they've, they've There you go. Done Set goals <laughs> and sometimes you hit them. Yeah. Jody returned to Atlanta and began attacking a massive to-do list to prepare her babysitter booking company for a rebrand and relaunch. The company officially launched its website in October of 2014 and has since completed over 25,000 babysitting jobs. They're on pace to complete over 40,000 by the end of this year, but there were a number of questions her team had to answer early on to separate them from a sea of other app-based babysitting services. Knowing the difference between what you should automate and what you should not automate mm-hmm. has always been essential because I didn't just want to scale. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, we launched a babysitting app. We've got so many users. And for me, it's not about launching an app. It's about providing quality childcare at scale for families. And so I wasn't willing to either A, grow it faster where I would risk losing the quality. Um, And I also wasn't just looking to remove the relational component out of that. Like I am a firm believer in community. I'm a firm believer in family. And so the ethos of everything that Sittertree is about is how do you really build a community where there's trust and trust technology is a gift but to be able to build trust with technology um, that's where the secret sauce of sitter tree kind of comes in so i wanted to the first thing to do was as we continue to build our tech or our web app out um, what things do we need to put in place to automate so that we can scale Um, and then divide out what things are we, again, not going to automate. And so just making those decisions, the technology piece was definitely number one on that. Um, And then at the time, I was kind of doing all of this. So I started to build the team and I looked first within like my own sitters because I had these committed sitters who had already proven themselves. Um, And over the last- very well-educated, like people you can trust. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, 
that has been one of the biggest learning curves for me is who not only who can do the job well, but who also works with my personality, which is growing, dreaming, uh, you know, having more ideas than I know what to do with, certainly. So over the years, I now have a team of four people and um, exceptional women that the character, competency and chemistry. Those are the three things that I've kind of looked at. And all of them um, look at sitters the same way and families. So it's truly a, this is, this is not a user. This is part of our community. And how do we listen and serve the needs that that family uniquely has? Um, or how do we, even with sitters, we recognize that sitters are typically um, college age or young professionals. Sometimes this is their first professional experience. And we're actually professionalizing babysitting because sure. we expect you to show up on time um, be dressed appropriately, follow directions, engage, communicate effectively. So those are the skills that you can take into any job. And so with right. our sitters, as we're re- receiving reviews, each of those four coordinators is actually making sure if there's a if there's, if there's a trend with a specific sitter that she can go back and say, "Hey, Sally, sitter, um, right. let's talk about this. Let's let me help you." Um, see how you might be able to change that to be able to improve your ratings. So there's a major developmental uh, element to, to what you do. And like you said, you know, next time better than the last time, basically. Just yeah. with the feedback that you're able to get. And we, so we average 98% five-star ratings from families. Wow. And that's over the last three years. So we actually, we don't provide training for our sitters, but it's more so just even... When we surveyed the sitters to figure out what is it that you want most, um, quite honestly, like words of affirmation were hmm. of the top two two things. And so we now know that if Sarah Beth, who's the head of our sitter program, if she can help those sitters to feel appreciated and to be set up for success, um, then the sitters also are part of something. And they're not only getting, um, like Oglethorpe students, since we launched Sitter Tree, Oglethorpe students alone have made over $100,000 in babysitting money. Hmm. And so... And that's just a handful of students. And so if we can keep them in the community longer and they feel like they belong, then it's not just answering a dollar question for them. It's actually giving them kind of a family. Like for me, babysitting gave me a family away from Ohio. And I'm still in touch with Katie Barksdale. I'm still, you know, like I'm still in touch with a number of the families that I was the babysitter because that's how important it was to me also. Sure. So why, why Sitter Tree? How did that name come about? That's a fun question. I actually... um, at the time, Sitter City, there was the these massive uh, platforms that were launching, but it was a lot of the connection with none of the relationship. Wow. And so uh, for me, growing up on a small farm in Ohio, um, what I envisioned when I think of babysitters was this, literally this giant oak tree that we had where it's there's a swing under it. It's like your neighborhood. It's, it's a little bit of the leave it to beaver as far as... Um, 1950s um, true neighborhood where you knew your neighbor and where you weren't so busy that you even knew your neighbor's 15-year-old daughter that eventually would come over and be your babysitter. And so I wanted to kind of take the idea of a city and oppose that with the idea of something that's organic and natural and um, really kind of brings people back to an old school kind of remembrance of what that the, there's the a trust. personal connection yeah, uh, associated with. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, anybody who can design an app can put together the basic, you know, infrastructure for a babysitting uh, conglomerate or service. Mm-hmm. But 
it seems like where you guys are really differentiating yourselves is that small town, just uh, very trustworthy type feel with with the interactions. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and the yeah. thing that I think what we are trying to prove is that you can scale that. Hmm. So scale sometimes seems like it's contradictory to local and um, but there obviously there are ways to be able to take a local feel and be able to share that with more people Um, and we use technology to do that in part Um, the things that you know we measure what matters to us um, we and we do a lot of measurement on our back end so a lot of people who do build a basic scheduling app don't have the rigorous back-end elements that we are looking at and they also um, so um, we've also part of what we've wanted on at Sitter Trees we want to engage fathers so now our app is so simple that your husband can book the babysitter <laughs> you're welcome moms of Atlanta yeah. yes <laughs> um, it's funny because in my house because it's an app I would have to be the one to book oh really book the, uh, babysitter <laughs> my wife would say is there a phone number I can just call and that's so <laughs> funny well we have both no. there you go there you go so I do think that when I say the local feel what I don't want to confuse it with is that we're only trying to serve Atlanta because we I mean again we're about to do our 25th thousand job and this year we'll yeah. cross more than 40,000 jobs and we are trying to scale we're trying to go outside of Atlanta but we are trying to be very thoughtful about which levers that we pull to to release it to scale and then which ones that we really maintain um, a closer touch so that so that people who are using it people like your family your wife you feel like there's a high touch high quality um, you know strategic I guess just component to what we're doing so that right. you're not just getting a sitter that, I mean, who knows this girl? Who knows that, you know, like yeah. you're, you're really getting someone that someone has handpicked and done everything that you and your wife would do to select her. So Jody, in speaking about scale, when you start the thing at Oglethorpe, it's very easy to, to know all the sitters, to know all the families you're working with. When you start to scale that and grow, it seems like there's got to be some growing pains involved with that. What were the challenges when you really branded the branded Sitter Tree and, and launched it into the world? What were the challenges that maybe you had to take a step back and say, okay, I didn't think about that. How do we address that and continue to, to grow forward? Mm-hmm. Certainly to get the name out there and get set- sitters to register. Hmm. Um, in the beginning, quite honestly, now I would say the supply is the significantly easier part of it. But in the beginning, when we started growing outside of Oglethorpe, um, it was like, where, you know, where are we going to find the high quality of sitters that we are looking for? Um, and so, one of the pain points there is when your supply is low and your demand is growing, you are, and you want to, you want to still say we have a 99% fill rate. So we wanted to maintain wow. that, yeah. and so it was. The, w- the amount of work that we were doing behind the scenes, and we being myself and a part-time someone that I was having work sure. 10 hours a week, sure. um, the amount of work to actually get those sitters applying, assigned, and then showing up. So one of the things that Sitter Tree does is that if your sitter cancels, we are then going to work with you to find an alternate sitter. Right. Um, that can be within an hour. That can yeah. be within two hours. So there's a lot that goes behind <laughs> the scenes, and we wanted our families to feel like, the mom is not even having to think about the difficulty sure. of assigning a sitter because all you, all she has to do, all you have to do as, as the dad is put in the request and then 
the only thing that you feel on the other side is that your assigned sitter is calling you. Right. So in the beginning, um, A, finding the, the sitters that we wanted to sign up, and then B, coming to the qual- level of quality that we wanted. Um, so right now, for every five sitters that, that registers, we will approve about one of them. I mean, we are truly taking the yeah. cream of the crop. And so we have to have massive amounts of registrations in order to be able to select the highest quality one. So that was one pain point is just sure. matching the supply and the demand. And that's an ongoing one because, you know, we can bring our sitter supply up, but you don't want to have too much supply because we also want our sitters to be getting jobs. Right. And if sitters aren't getting jobs, they're not happy. So then you've got to bring up the level of demand from the so families and the groups. balance that you kind of have to strike. Yeah. So how many times were you on your way to dinner or a movie and you got a call that one of Lord, your sitters canceled Lord. and, and Can you, just... the, uh, the buck stopped with you and you had to head to that house? Let's just say that I, um, I can remember three years ago. So that is the thing. The end of what you just said, I had to head to that house. That has happened. And right. now I actually started doing it about two years ago where I said, okay, instead of now me having to be the one to do it, I'm going to choose to be the one to do it in certain mm-hmm. circumstances so that I can keep my finger on the pulse of the community. And all of the full-time coordinators do the same thing. So whether it's a like about twice a year, whether it's a church job or it's a family job, yeah. Some parent is going to see me as the founder. And oftentimes I'm like older than the mom, right? So yeah. <laughs> I walk in and the mom's like, hi. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So I'm not sure what you think about Sitter Tree, not that the founder's here. But really it's just because, A, I love kids, and B, I yes. want to make sure that I understand this. But I, I'm i not going to say rage, but there were definitely moments when I'm sure. like, what? How can you cancel 15 minutes beforehand? And we had we've actually now... That was part of the secret sauce of figuring out what incentivizes or motivates sitters not to cancel. Mm -hmm. Um, How can you identify people who understand that even if you're able to fill a job for a family, like refill a job, it's still a last minute change. And no mom wants, and again, I speak to the moms because typically the burden does fall on them, but to have that last minute change when you've got your concert tickets and you've got, you know, no one likes that. And so... Yeah, we figured out the the levers, and now we've we've encouraged our sitters, you know, cancellations for illness or emergency only because, and you know that covers a broad. People are going to get sick, yeah. and you you don't want me sending a sick sitter to your house. Not at all. So you want them to cancel, <laughs> but that's yeah. going to take your whole family down. Exactly, exactly. So, that's a ballistic missile that's going to cost me the next two weeks of my life. I know. <laughs> that's what that is. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, I had a feeling when you went down that that uh, that path that that story was going to end with Jody had to step in a lot at the last minute and oh. put out some fires. And can I just say the other thing is the the rolling over in the middle of the night. And I used to really think this is a miracle that I just happened to have to get up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water. And I saw that there was a sitter <laughs> cancellation at 3 a.m. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You know, like yeah. just for the the luck of being able to catch those because again we've had this 99% fill rate and when it was just me and uh, honestly when I was in Sierra Leone and doing this I was the time difference is four to five hours and so I would literally you know by the time things in Atlanta were happening I had already been up four to five hours so I could you know have delayed management of the community while in West Africa. (laughs) So tell me about your growth I saw I guess uh, news here recently that you're expanding to Athens. Yes yeah we started in January and so Um, The purpose in going to Athens, we're looking at communities surrounding the greater Atlanta area where we already have, our sitter base is always, is already 
we've got a number of UGA students. Sure. And so why not go and just expand our family base in that area? Um, so UGA is the first place where we are kind of going. And then we are looking at, um, you heard it here first, um, <laughs> Peachtree City as okay. one of those. Um, Definitely growing up, you know, the 85, 475, um, sure. we have a large sitter base at Kennesaw. So growing up 75 has been easier for us. Right. And then we've been looking at Birmingham as another like next step. And so yeah. our hope is definitely to begin to spread to other cities outside of Atlanta. Was there a, um, you know, a certain person found out about Sitter Tree or maybe you got in a certain publication, was there a big break where all of a sudden you saw a massive spike in demand all of a sudden that you, great, we got more people wanting our service, but sort of, again, panic mode of, do we have enough sitters to fill, to fill the demand? You know, I would say that was slowly creeping along, and then we did this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So I would say we have not had... It's been so much largely word of mouth right. because we've got a few either moms telling other moms on Facebook or, you know, obviously we've, within our app, we've got where you can share or you can recommend a sitter. And so that's been that's great. great for moms to be able to sh share kind of like you can trust it because here's an actual sitter that I use sure. and let me share my sitter with you. Um, but we have not had... We are in the process of building a native app that will launch this summer. And so we're hoping Exciting. that that will help a little bit with the the sharing sure. but um, quite honestly our sitter recruitment program is so well refined now that we can if you told me tomorrow we needed if you told me you needed like several hundred sitters by the end of the month I think we could easily go out and fill that small businesses always look a little different to different people we got the opportunity to hear from another member of the sitter tree team one who started as a sitter and now has a front row seat into the day-to-day -day operations of the company. Brie is my inspiration as far as when I think of the young women who are involved in Sitter Tree because we are picking top talent and we're just fanning the flame yeah. of what is already there. So Brie, um, Brie Taylor started off as a sitter for us um, and then was rocking it and getting abnormally large tips for just how awesome <laughs> she was with people's children. Um, and then, um, so we invited her to be one of our campus coordinators, which is the eight-month program. Um, and even during that, I remember just looking at um, her ability to um, bring people on board. Her personality is one that stands up in front of people and everyone flocks to her. And so sure. that's actually not my personality. So I was one of the people flocking to her. Um, and so she did the eight month program and then somehow we landed her as our full time. Sometimes instead of marketing coordinator, we call her the marketing department because she's the only one. Um, and so it's amazing um, the amount of work that she does, but it truly is showing like, um, someone who uh, we, we say like good sitters are great employees sure. because um, she has she showed every step of the way um, how she could excel and so with that I introduce you to the marketing department Miss <laughs> Labricia Taylor <laughs> hey Brie how are you today I'm good thank you well first of all thanks for coming of course but now I'm Jody has painted a, a really pretty picture. Too pretty. <laughs> so you got a lot to live up to. Yeah. But also, I want to ask you from, you know, somebody who didn't start the business initially. 
what was it that attracted you to Sitter Tree right off, right off, uh, right off the jump? Well, one, being a college student, you needed money. Right. <laughs> so right. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and I yeah. could not call my parents every single weekend saying, "Hey, can you send me more money?" Mm-hmm. My mom was gonna hang up on me. <laughs> so I had to figure it out. So I had a friend tell me about Sitter Tree. There's like this is babysitting group run by an alumni, and I'm like, okay, great. As an alumni, of course, it's gonna be good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I kind of found out about it, and I started to babysit. I had just finished playing volleyball for Oglethorpe, and I was like, I have okay. a lot of free time. I need something to fill up my time with so that kind of became my next step and it was it was awesome it was easy I mean sometimes it was a no-brainer sure yeah so when things go that well nine times out of of ten it's because you really click with the people that are involved with it what was it about uh, the relationships with Jody and the other people Mm -hmm. at at Sitter Tree that that just kind of jived with you yeah I would say Jody in particular she is really big on mentorship and just building building community like she mentioned earlier like she's when she said that she's for real about it she sure. means it um, and so even when I had finished the internship program and I still had my senior year I would always call her we would have like monthly or quarterly check-ins <laughs> just for like mentoring purposes and helping me through my senior year so when she says community like that's who she is yeah. that's what she's concerned about most about Cedar Tree no matter how much we scale she wants community to all be always be the first thing that's happening for us but when I was you know looking for jobs I didn't want to go to grad school right away or nursing school and so Jody was like well I'm thinking about a marketing coordinator let's sit down let's talk about it um and so I kind of felt like my interview was us having coffee and a chat about <laughs> what the job would be those are the best yeah those are the best it didn't feel like an interview yeah um, and I remember when I signed my contract saying you got me I'm here <laughs> she was um getting on a plane yeah. <laughs> and she emailed so quickly was like I'm so excited to have you um but it, it was a big a jump from going from like just babysitting sophomore year, sure. you know, after I leave class um, to now I'm on the back end. Like I'm seeing everything that's happening day to day. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to sitters and they're, you know, may have frustration sometime, I'm like, I understand. Yeah. I can come from that place. or like, trust me, I truly do understand. I was in your shoes at one yeah. point. So. No, that's super valuable yeah. for you too, Jody, to have, um, you know, somebody there that, has kind of been through the war, you know, and can kind of talk through, (laughs) uh, you know, talk through some of those things. But Brie, I want to know, as the marketing department Mm -hmm. now, (laughs) party of you know, Jody obviously can can tell the story from the beginning, kind of in parallel to her personal journey with Mm -hmm. Sitter Tree. What's the story or the message that that you're telling as as uh, marketing czar of uh, Sitter Tree? What's that? that initial impression that you want to make with either a sitter or a family? I would think going back to community because me starting as a sitter, intern, and now full-time staff, it just kind of shows that we are devoted to the sitters that we bring onto our community. It shows that there's a relationship because it's very few times where people can start as just like an employee or intern and make their way to the top. Like that, that's very hard to do. And for us to be such a small community in Atlanta doing this, it, it really does speak volumes. Sitter Tree is a well-oiled machine now, continuing to grow and beginning to expand to additional markets. But I had to ask Jody one last question. Is running this company still as fulfilling as it was back at the beginning? And if so, what are the things that give you that feeling? That feeling that it's all been worth it? That is a fantastic question because I have two places I go for that. Number one is I have um, an email label in my email account that says uh, sweet Y emails. So when I get an email from a sitter or a family that just says, 
oh my gosh, like this is an answer for what our family needed to be able to, for our marriage or for um, just for myself personally as a, as a mom to be able to get out. I save those emails because they mean the world. Oh yeah. yeah. And then I actually go through the reviews. So our coordinators review every single review. They go through every, every day. Um, but I go through the family reviews because when I see what a mom who either we have a lot of first time moms that they've never booked a sitter so no grandparents in town you know like no family no other options we're going to be booking a sitter through an online you know app Um, and when i see their reviews um about how surprised they were or about how it's basically boiling down to peace of mind but it's even more than peace of mind because it's peace of mind is like okay, I know my kids are going to be alive and safe when I come back, but they are raving about this, not just a babysitter. They're, you know, by name, you know, Victoria was incredible. Jacqueline was incredible. And so when I read that um, from moms, that for me is like, that's why we do what we do. So are you listening to this podcast at home, trying to drown out the sound of the little ones in the background, wondering when your next night out might be? I think it's time you gave Sitter Tree a shot. You can sign up as a family or a sitter at SitterTree.com or find them on social media at SitterTree. And don't forget to tell them Atlanta Born and Brand sent you. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you're looking to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at ConnectsATL.com. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you might happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. Hopefully you noticed that this week our credits music is from local artists right here in Atlanta. We are happy to present Rashawn's single, Pray For This, off his debut mixtape, No Previews. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon. I remember I would pray for this My whole lifetime I couldn't wait for